0: Oh, that gets you excited, don't it? Look, oh, that gets me excited. And of course, the hottest takes. My dad used to have this saying, if you don't like the series, you'll like football. Well, right. say I'm a pretty big football fan, and I despise <laughs> the <thrillers>. Okay, okay. <laughs> so get ready, because it's time for FPT Overtime.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to a new and exciting episode of Sports Power Talk Overtime, bringing you coverage from all the sports that don't always get the light on Sports Power Talk. My name is Alex Henry and I'm joined by the one and the only Jake Murren. By the title of the video, you could tell we are here to discuss UFC 279 this Saturday, September 10th in T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, headlined by what will most likely be The last match of legendary fighter Nate Diaz versus UFC's number one prospect, Tom Zatchimaev. Jake, are you excited for this card?
0: Overall, I think my excitement level is a little bit low. I know you've been excited for this card for a while now. Uh, It's just, you know, the main event's not a title fight. It's not your ordinary UFC pay-per-view by any means. They randomly put a co-main event in in there pretty late, I'd say. And I just feel like it's kind of been thrown together, whereas... I feel like most fans are looking forward to UFC 280, which is stacked.
1: Yes, I would 100% agree. I'm really more excited for this card as a fight fan, just as in good fights, because I think there will be a lot of good fights. But as for entertaining fights that are making a lot of moves in the UFC that you're going to want to pay money for a whole $80 pay-per-view, this is very very lackluster. I would agree. So we'll kick it off with the first fight of the main card, Johnny Walker versus Eon Qutalaba Jake. Give me your breakdown on this fight.
0: Yeah, Walker the Brazilian, he's 18 and 7 with 15 wins by KO in his career. Only has one win in his last 5 fights, which was a first round KO win over Ryan Span 2 years ago. In his last fight, it was a first round KO loss to Jamal Hill in february and hill only had to land seven strikes in that fight to add a clip to his highlight reel and look walker is a lengthy striker and will enjoy a seven inch reach advantage in this fight he lands 59 percent of his strikes and absorbs less than he lands he's known for being an an unorthodox fighter and he will do anything it takes to connect with his opponents but lately he's been more dialed in in the worst way possible he is now hesitant to throw any strikes ever since he joined sbg ireland for q to Lava, he's 16 7 and 1 with 12 ko's and 13 first round finishes he's 5 and 6 in the ufc and while he tries to stay active he has a ton of fights on his topology that have been cancelled in the past His last fight was a first-round submission loss to Ryan Spann last May. Spann won a Performance of the Night bonus against Kutalaba in that fight. And Eon only landed two strikes, but he landed three takedowns that led to that guillotine. He's comfortable shooting takedowns. He has a 63% takedown accuracy. Kutalaba also trains out of Extreme Couture in Las Vegas. And something that sticks out to me in his fighting style, is that he chases finishes, which oftentimes makes him susceptible to getting finished himself. Ultimately, I'm gonna go with Qtalabi here. I don't love my pick here as neither fighter has looked good recently, but I think Walker has looked worse. He used to be such an exciting wild fighter, and it seems like improving his fight iq and being coached at Sbg ireland has made him so much worse i'm worried about the reach advantage but i can see q closing the distance and wrestling walker enough to win two of three rounds for a decision win to kick off ufc 279
1: yeah what i like to call this fight is the battle of the woulda coulda shouldas. they're just both guys that were really big prospects that have just fallen off you mentioned the, uh, the move to SPG Ireland for Johnny Walker. I mean, this dude, he's huge, 6'6", fast, strong, powerful. He used to have that fun to watch striking. And you don't see it often, but every now and then, you see a fighter switch gyms, and it does negatively impact how they fight, and that's exactly the case for Johnny Walker. You know, you look at Kudalaba, uh, and he is also a good grappler, which is something I wanted to mention but he does have that power in his hands, and he, you know, he doesn't mind to get in the pocket and throw with that knockout power. So I agree, it's a very hard fight to pick. And if I hadn't seen Johnny Walker's like past three or four fights, I definitely would have picked Johnny Walker. But uh, I got to go with Eon here as well. So we're both agreeing on the first pick. Is this what you expected?
0: I kind of expected it. Um, I think you know, if Johnny Walker wins. I don't think either one of us are going to be surprised here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those fights that, like you said, you said it perfectly, the would it could have, should is. I mean, anything can happen. Neither fighters look good recently, but we both have con- confidence in Jan Kutilaba to get it done.
1: Yeah, I'm also excited. There's not many cards that, or many fights that I'm like very excited for on the card as of the future, but I am actually excited for this fight as well as one other fight. And I'll get to it. Uh, just because I do think it can be a very entertaining fight and still has somewhat relevance. So on to the next fight. We have Irene Aldana versus Macy Chasson. Jake, who are you picking in this fight? Yeah,
0: women's Bantamweight match here for Aldana. She's 13 and 6 with seven wins by KO and a three via submission. Her last fight was a first round KO win via ground and pound at UFC 264. Aldana was able to land a lot of strikes early in that fight, mix in a takedown and knock her opponent out within the first 5 minutes. She throws a lot of strikes, so she lands a decent amount per minute at 5.61, but she absorbs even more at 5.94 per minute, so that's something to be concerned about. And overall, she's just known as a great striker, and even Holly Holm, who's in the Boxing Hall of Fame, had to wrestle her to win. Aldana has an 84% takedown defense, and has an average fight time of 1347. And something notable on her record is a first round KO win over Ketlin Vieira, who is likely next for the women's bantamweight title shot against Amanda Nunez. I saw out of Dallas, she's 9-2, trains out of Fortis MMA, and is 5-2 in the UFC. Her last fight was a split decision win over Norma Dumont at UFC 274. Chison landed 36 more strikes and landed 6 takedowns against Dumont, so... I totally thought Macy was a clear winner in that fight. She's really lengthy for the women's bantamweight division, which she uses to her advantage with her striking style. Shyson nearly averages two takedowns per 15 minutes in the cage, and her average fight time is 10.34. I think this fight goes to the distance when you consider both of these fighters have long average fight times. And I'm going to go with Macy Chaisant in this one. Holly Holm had a great game plan in her win over Aldana. And Macy is known to keep her distance. I expect this fight and I expect Macy to just establish her jab early and often. Avoid Aldana's power and take her down overtime to cash as an underdog for a decision victory. And I'm hoping you're going with Aldana in this one.
1: Well, I am not, unfortunately. Uh, You know, you talked about Irene being a very technical boxer with the great power and not only that her takedown defense in 84% and you also mentioned how she has been sized up before in her her fights but uh, I don't see Macy coming in and getting a win here I mean yeah Macy's tall long good Muay Thai background Uh, she will try to keep or no I see Macy winning you know she's tall long keeps her distance with her good Muay Thai background and I think that's all that she's going to really need to do to win this fight because she has that grappling in the bag as well. So if she does more of a Holly Holm way of winning, then I think she will get the win here very easily. And I don't think the odds are very fair on this fight at all because I don't necessarily think that it should be like an underdog pick for Macy to win. I think it's pretty obvious if you research both fighters mm-hmm that uh, Macy's here here to win this fight.
0: Yeah, I'm just worried about Aldana's power because she has knockouts in her history, especially that last win at UFC 264. So I'm worried about her power. And then for Son, I just hope she utilizes that game plan that Holly Holm used. If she just goes out there with a different game plan, I think it's going to be an easy night for Aldana.
1: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of um, UFC Paris that just happened. You know, you have Cyril Ghan versus Taichu Iwasa where... All Surreal had to really do is keep his distance, South position, and just, you know, light strikes, light strikes. And the only difference is now there's grappling in the mix as well. Um, so I, I think that'll be pretty good win. So Jake, we agree on both. Did you you thought I was gonna pick Irene though?
0: I thought you were. I mean, I took a flyer, I think, in Macy Shysol, because she's an underdog. Um, unfortunately, I guess we both took that flyer, but I can confidently say that we're going to at least disagree on one of the next three fights.
1: Okay, well, then we'll go to the next fight, which is the second fight that I'm very uh, excited for on this card as of what it does for the UFC. Now, Kevin Holland's a middleweight moving down to welterweight, but the fight's at 180 catchweight, so it's kind of weird, but I guess it's something fun for you because you don't see it very often. Jake, I'll throw it over to you. What do you who do you have in this fight
0: Yeah, Kevin Holland versus Daniel D. Rod Rodriguez to me? This is like the people's main event. I'm super excited for this one Hopefully it doesn't blow up in my face because you know last time we were on a show like this We said Aldo and Walish Willie was the people's main event Mm -hmm. and that was a complete snoozer So hopefully this one actually lives up to the hype I'll start with Holland here, he's 23 and 7 with 12 wins by KO and 7 by submission. Like Johnny Walker, Holland is a lengthy striker and will enjoy a 7 inch reach advantage in this fight. He took the MMA scene by storm with 5 wins in 2020, but Holland's always been criticized for his poor takedown defense at 50%, which was the reason for his back-to-back losses to Marvin Vittori and Derek Brunson. Since those losses, though, Holland has rebounded in a great way with back-to-back stoppage victories in a new weight class like you mentioned for the la native in d-rod he's 16 and 2 and trains out of syndicate mma i absolutely love that chest piece tattoo and d-rod is a dog in the octagon he lands over eight significant strikes per minute and in his last fight he had a masterclass decision win over kevin lee as an underdog d-rod is known for his great cardio boxing technique and speed in the cage look kevin holland is one of my favorite fighters in the ufc but I've been waiting for D-Rod's return since his first win over Kevin Lee. Honestly, I could easily see Holland winning, but people are looking over Rodriguez again. D-Rod is easily the best striker Holland has seen in the UFC, and Kevin was even pieced up for a little bit against Alex Oliveira. Unless Holland is the one to take this fight to the ground, I could see Daniel Rodriguez winning exchanges on the feet and ultimately win this fight by decision. I think this is the fight that we're going to disagree on.
1: Yeah, it is. And to be honest, Jake, I can't argue with you. I mean, that's a very, very great breakdown. And I'm not going to argue with anyone who's going to take Daniel Rodriguez in this fight. He's a great boxer. Uh, My thing is, he doesn't offer much on the ground. So this fight's going to be a standing, just striking match. And he has great cardio. He has great power. Uh, It's going to help him on the feet even more. And he doesn't chase the head. But he, he just likes to put holes in your gas tank, meaning keep body shots that wear you out, and then eventually will go for the head and try to maybe get a knockout. So he's a very, very good striker. My thing is, Kevin Holland is such an accurate and precise power puncher. And you mentioned how this will be his biggest striking challenge. I 100% agree. I just think he's a bigger guy. I think he's a stronger guy. And I do really have a lot of faith in His striking ability, you mentioned his bad takedown defense, which is true and it's memed upon, but in his last fight he was taken down twice and he actually won by submission in the third round. He's a very good grappler, but his takedown defense is very, very rough, so I agree. I don't think this is the people's main event. I think the main event is the people's main event in Mm -hmm. my eyes, but uh, it's going to be a very, very fun fight and it is the other fight that I'm really excited for. Um, but I am gonna go Kevin Holland here just because I do think he is the bigger, more powerful guy. And if it's striker versus striker, I can't take Daniel Rodriguez if that's the case. But I'm not gonna argue anybody that takes Daniel Rodriguez. That was a great breakdown, so
0: Yeah, I don't think this fight's gonna go to the ground. And two things worry me about my D-rod pick, and it's that one, you know, Kevin Holland is going to have that huge reach advantage on Saturday night. And two, Holland is very experienced. He has 30 fights, he's 23 and seven. So saying that he's going up against his toughest opponent yet in terms of striking and D-Rod, it's true, but Holland has also seen a lot out there in the cage. He's fought the best of the best in Marvin Vittori and Derek Brunson. I know they just wrestled him for the majority of those fights, but those are still guys who are way up there in their divisions. Going against D-Rod, it's definitely a step lower in terms of competition, but it's way more in terms of striking. So, Holland's experience and reach advantage worries me here, but like I said, D-Rod is a dog, and I think he's going to be able to win.
1: Did you say uh, how you thought the fight would end? I think he's going to win by um, decision. Decision. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely see this fight either maybe a Kevin Holland knockout, but I also see it going to decision. So, it's really just going to be striker versus striker battle here and yeah. we'll see who's the better one. Something you mentioned was Kevin Holland's experience and I think that's good to mention as well because or Kevin Holland's a more diverse striker where he mixes in kicks and spinning attacks. Uh Rodriguez is primarily a boxer who will throw in other strikes. So that still is going to be a stylistic matchup because you have a really good, you know, boxer versus just a diverse striker, but In the end, we're going to disagree. I'm going to go Kevin Holland here, which, you know, everybody loves Kevin Holland. Who doesn't like that guy? Yeah,
0: Like I said, he's one of my favorite fighters in the UFC, but I've just been waiting for D-Rod to to return. I was in awe of his performance against Kevin Lee because of how much hype there was behind Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee coming back, everybody was so behind him, and then D-Rod just shut that down. So I'm very excited to see this fight, and that's why, to me, It's a people's main event, and I'll explain why, I guess, more in terms of the main event when we get to it, because I know that's the fight you're you're most looking forward to.
1: Yeah, 100%. um, I am looking forward to that fight. Going to the co-main event here, it's got to be the weakest co-main on an $80 pay-per-view that I've seen all year. With that being said, it should be a really, really fun fight to watch. If this was a fight night fight or maybe lower on a main card. This is a very good matchup, I think, and I'm pretty excited to watch the fight, but significance-wise, it really doesn't mean much, and for a co-main event, it's pretty weak. So we got Lee Jingliang versus Tony Ferguson. Jake, I'll throw it over to you. Give me your breakdown on this fight.
0: Yeah, I'll start with Jing Liang here. He's nineteen and seven with ten wins by KO and seven first round finishes as well. His last fight was a second round KO win that started with a right a right cross and ended with some vicious ground and pound Jingli gang is a great boxer with volume and power who can also take people down but he doesn't have great takedown defense himself at 60 percent, he debuted in the ufc eight years ago and is 11 and 5 in the promotion so that's not a bad record in the ufc for ferguson he's 26 and 7 with 13 wins via ko but I don't understand why he's fighting this weekend. He's lost four in a row, and in his last fight, he suffered one of the most brutal KOs in UFC history at the hands of Michael Chandler. And look, the 12-fight win streak Ferguson is long gone. And rather than taking time off, the UFC offered him this fight because of how bad UFC 279 is as a card. You just mentioned it. This is one of the weakest co events we've seen. But the UFC needed a co-main event, so they gave this offer to Ferguson. They needed a somewhat interesting co-main event, and that's exactly what this is. Ferguson only had about three weeks to train for this fight, and he was knocked out badly only four months ago. I don't care that Ferguson looked good in that first round against Chandler. Instead, I care about his health, especially the health of his brain. The UFC shouldn't have made this fight. I don't have much interest in this fight. And when Ferguson gets knocked out again by the leech, I'm going to be looking away because this is a man who can't afford to get knocked out that badly again. Rather than retiring from the sport, this sport is going to retire Ferguson. I mostly blame the UFC, but you know, Jing Liang is going to go out there, do his job, and pick up a KO win at UFC two seventy nine.
1: Yeah, I agree here. You know, Jing Liang, great boxer, good volume, good power. His thing is he likes to throw kicks, wear you down, and then boom, big power punch over the top. Um he does, rest, or he does struggle with his wrestling, uh, but he does have good takedown defense. And Jing, Jing Lang is coming off a great knockout, where, like you mentioned, Tony's coming off a really, really bad knockout that did just happen very recently. Stylistically, he's a very active striker with a lot of different techniques. Not lots of power, but great volume and pressure. He landed 104 strikes, Versus Donald Cerrone, and 115 versus Anthony Pettis. And neither of those fights saw the third round, which is a very, very crazy stat that I stumbled upon. And I still actually don't believe it is a true stat, but it is a true stat. Look it up. Uh his chin is his biggest concern for me. And that's kind of what you mentioned. But not only that, his his mental health is a, a huge concern to me. You know, his wife has even mentioned that he just won't give up. And that he just wants to keep fighting and keep fighting, which is exactly what you were talking about, Jake, how the sport is retiring him. But he is letting it happen. Uh, you know, Usually you'll see guys who keep fighting for the money. They keep fighting because they maybe think they have another title shot. I think Tony Ferguson's crazy. I think he's just fighting because he's so tired of losing. And I don't blame him. Somebody who had such an incredible run, who genuinely at the peak of his run, People thought he could beat Khabib, and those people were were not looked at crazy. Like, people genuinely were like, yeah, he probably can, to where he's at now. And just a two-year span is very crazy. Uh, You know, maybe if Tony tries to grapple, he can win. But uh, I see him getting blasted here and knocked out really bad. I do think it will be an entertaining fight to watch just as maybe a casual fight fan but if you really know Tony Ferguson and you watch him get knocked out brutally it is going to be pretty sad but this is what happened this is the fight that was made so you can't really I can't do anything about it you know what I mean Jake yeah
0: I agree with you too about Ferguson coming back because he wants to win again he wants to win again he's a competitive guy and to go on that run to where he is now yeah it's something to be frowned upon but I think the UFC could also do him a favor by not booking him in a fight four months after that brutal KO loss to Michael Chandler. Sure, And he would have thought, you know, we're in 2022 and Nate Diaz and Tony Ferguson are in the co-main and main event of a UFC pay-per-view. Maybe if this card was going on five years ago, it would have more hype around it and these guys would actually be given a legitimate chance. But it's 2022 and these guys are on the last stretch of their mma
1: career yeah and that is pretty crazy to think about actually so all these fights so far have really just been i think they're going to be good just striking fun fights to watch going to the main event which i think will be the biggest fun to watch fight and jake i know you might have some differing opinions than me and i'm interested to hear what those are so we have hamzat Chimaev taking on The legend Nate Diaz, give me your breakdown on this fight.
0: Yeah, Shamayev, he is 11-0 with seven first-round finishes. His last fight was a decision win over Gilbert Burns at UFC 273. It was Shemaev's first true test, and if anything, it showed that he can deal with adversity and still win a fight. He trains out of All-Stars Training Center with some of the best of the best. Shemaev is one of the best wrestlers and grapplers in the UFC right now, and he also has a great power in his hands as he lands nearly eight significant strikes per minute. He has a ridiculous average fight time of 5.35, and in my eyes, Dana White is going to be strapping a belt around his waist in the near future. For Diaz, he's 21 and 13, His last fight was, of course, that decision loss to current welterweight champ Leon Edwards. And the headline of that fight was when Diaz rocked Edwards late in that fifth round in defeat. And look, do I even have to break down the style of the legend Nate Diaz? His cardio is insane. He throws a lot of volume, has great jiu-jitsu, and he has wins over many legends in this sport. Of course, the biggest headline here is that this is Diaz's last fight on his contract, and Shemayev has been hired to take him out, and that's exactly what is going to happen here. Shemayev has the has just a pace of an animal, and the only concern I have is his stamina and cardio over five rounds, but I don't think it even gets close to going five rounds. Diaz is a legend. You mentioned it. He's going to go out in an honorable way, but as much as I'd love for Diaz to win and pull a CM Punk by kissing the UFC goodbye after defeating the biggest name in the promotion without a belt. This isn't scripted fighting. I want to see a competitive fight. I want to see a Diaz win, but I'm not naive. I know what's going to happen, and it's going to be Hamza dominating Diaz Mm. within a round, maybe two, Mm. to get his hand raised to end the night. That's why I'm not really excited for this fight. I think the arena and the atmosphere is going to get a lot of people excited before the bell rings seeing nate diaz on that last walk hearing bruce buffer introduce nate diaz for the last time there's going to be hype around it until chamayev gets his hands on diaz and we see how much of a discrepancy there is in terms of the talent of these two fighters
1: interesting you know chamayev right now is. It's like he's one of the best fighters in the UFC. Everybody likes him. I open Instagram every single day. That dude is training with somebody new. It's, it's like everybody wants to train with Jermiah. Everybody wants to be his friend. I don't blame him because I wouldn't want to be his enemy. That's for sure. Uh, great breakdown, stylistic like Jake. You know, something I'll mention is Hamzat. You know, you said he has that chain wrestling style. Uh, with also great power, and with that comes his ground and pound, which I think is one of his biggest aspects of his game, where he will take you down, and he doesn't want to really grapple with you, he just wants to punch you and hit you with whatever he can, and my one thing is, in his last fight, he did not want to wrestle with Gilbert at all, and I think it was maybe because he hit Gilbert hard a couple times, and saw he could probably knock him out, so he wanted to chase that knockout. But he just wouldn't give up on chasing knockout. And he wouldn't wrestle, and he is a good wrestler. So that worried me. But if anything, in his last fight, we learned he's a warrior. I mean, he's still a psycho. In his you know first four fights, he only got hit one time in the UFC. Absolutely crazy. Looking at Nate Diaz, I mean, he's never changed who he was. He puts on a show every time he touches the mat since 2014. And I think that's what makes this fight, you know, so entertaining. Style-wise, he's a very high-volume striker, incredible cardio, BJJ black belt. He's great off his back, but he really only uses his jiu-jitsu in case he gets taken down. And we all know Chamayev's going to win. I'm picking Chamayev, but I'm really rooting for Diaz. And I also don't know anyone who wants to see Hamzat just kill Diaz. Diaz did put Leon on skates, but Hamzat's just a different beast. And I'm hoping for a really entertaining fight. And I don't think it is just going to be a first, second round brutal KO by Hamzat. I think that Nate Diaz has been training really hard in his fights. And I think that Nate Diaz is legitimately going to fight his hardest fight he's ever fought in his career. I think if Nate Diaz wants to fight any fight in the UFC, it's this fight. Nate Diaz hates the UFC, he hates Dana White, and he wants to come in, he's trained his butt off, he's showed that he can fight in wars before, and he's ready for his final battle to leave it all out in the cage, all out on the mat, and then he's going to come in and go to war, try to get that win, try to get his hand raised, give the bird to Dana White, and leave T-Mobile on his last fight go start his new fighting promotion and that's what i want to see happen i don't think it's what's going to happen but with that mindset i see this fight being a lot more at least longer um than you might think it will be jake
0: the only way this fight goes longer is if shamaev wants it to be longer if Shamayev wants to play with his food he will make this fight longer But if he wants to get out of there fast, he can. He dictates how long this fight goes.
1: I mean, sure. I don't know. Maybe. I really think that if Hamzat has that mindset, then he will probably get sized up. Because Nate Diaz is very, very good. And Nate Diaz can control the pace of a fight better than I think Hamzat can. So if Hamzat kind of lets off to let the fight go longer, which I don't know why he would, then... Nate will definitely take advantage of that, in my opinion. And what I'm expecting is Hamzat to come out hot and to Nate Diaz to come out even hotter and it just be fireworks for a while. And I could even see it going to decision. I don't actually think it's going to go to decision. But with Nate Diaz's cardio, I could see it happening, especially if Nate Diaz can make it past round three. I'm still not very certain on Hamzat's cardio that it's great. But I know Nate Diaz's cardio is going to be better. So if he can get it past that second round, I can maybe see this fight going longer. But I see it maybe ending third-round knockout or technical knockout by Chamayev. You know, these Diaz brothers, they tend to bleed. Uh, Maybe the referee is looking at it, might want to stop the fight. Uh, But I could see a third-round finish, fourth-round finish, or decision. I do not see it ending this quick. I
0: do. I think is going to get get it done in a round or two i think is gonna do dana white's dirty work and be the assassin that he was hired to be saturday night against diaz and send diaz packing out of the ufc in an honorable way if you're diaz but in a terrible way if you are a fan of diaz or really a fan of the promotion because i don't think this was necessarily fair on the ufc's part to say hey diaz we're gonna Book you against a guy who you shouldn't get booked against. You're going to deny that fight. We're going to keep you on contract for months and months and months. And then at the end of the day, we're going to put you up against Hamzat Shemaev anyways. And that's who you're going to have to take on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. And they obviously did that on purpose too. So I think that would be my last thing so I don't keep repeating myself. But even with that and Nate Diaz looking at that, that should be even more motivation for him to want to come in and beat Hamzat Shemaev say, oh, look, you're going to send me this guy, you know, best guy you guys got, watch this. And I'd love it to happen. I don't know a UFC fan that, w- I mean, I love Hamzat Chimaev. He's one of my favorite fighters in the UFC right now. Top five favorite, one of my favorite fighters. But I-, I don't know a UFC fan who wouldn't be head over heels if Nate Diaz won this fight. It would be insane and still leave. Like, it'd be so insane. So with that being said, Jake, give me your, picks for each fight one more time before we end the podcast
0: yeah the first fight of the main card at light heavyweights like you said it's the what a coulda here between johnny walker and Eon cutelaba i love what you said there because it's absolutely true walker he's been crazy in the past right now though with that new gym he just hasn't looked the like the same johnny walker that he's looked like a couple years ago so I'm gonna go with the Hulk Q I think he's got that power in his hands and if he closes the distance and takes down Walker I see him taking the decision win on Saturday nights at women's bantamweight between Irene Aldana and Macy Shaisal I could see Aldana winning because of the power in her hands but if Shaisal uses that Holly Holm way of defeating Irene I think she's going to be able to pick up the win on Saturday. Macy has gotten a lot better at grappling as well. So I expect to see that in the second fight of the main card for Kevin Holland and D-Rod. I am picking D-Rod here. I could see Holland winning, but D-Rod, he's an animal. I love that tattoo. Like I said, D-Rod is a dog in the octagon. I've been waiting for his return since his last fight. And I just think D-Rod is going to be able to outclass Holland On the feet. All respect to Kevin Holland, though. He's one of my favorite fighters, and I just think this fight is going to be fireworks. This is my people's main event. Going to the co main event, this is nobody's people's main event. It is a terrible co main event. Uh, Tony Elkakoy Ferguson, why are you fighting on Saturday? Makes no sense. You're just coming off of one of the worst KOs in UFC history. The sport is going to retire you. You mentioned what his wife said, and the leech, Li Jing Liang. He's going to do what he needs to do. He is going to knock out Tony Ferguson on Saturday night. And then we were just talking about the main event at Welterweight. Hamzat Shamaev is going to knock out Nate Diaz, maybe even submit him in the first yeah. or second round and get Diaz out of there early and often, and most importantly, get Diaz on his way out of the UFC.
1: Yeah, for my picks, I am taking Eon uh, Kutalaba, This was I didn't really mention this, but it's a very hard pick for me because I really, really like Johnny Walker. And I really think Johnny Walker, two years ago, beats Eon very easily. So it's very difficult for me to not pick him. But from what I've seen recently, I have to pick Eon here in this fight. Then Irene versus Macy. I am taking the underdog as well, Jake. I'm going with Macy. And we're recording this on Monday. I guarantee you by Saturday that these odds are a lot closer. So if you are a better, try to bet on Macy now um for the underdog because the odds will move. Uh going to the next fight, Kevin Holland versus daniel Rodriguez. I'm very excited for this fight. I'm going with Kevin Holland. Uh it'll definitely be a close fight. It's going to go the distance and we'll really like see who is the better striker at the end of the night. Going on to the weakest co-main of this year. Uh Lee Li Jing Liang versus Tony Ferguson. I'm taking Lee and I want Jing Liang to win, but more so I just don't want Tony Ferguson to be humiliated. I I I mean it's very it's humiliating enough to get knocked out, but I just don't want it to be a brutal bad knockout. Maybe a TKO would even feel better for me. Um, but I am taking the leech here. And then for the main event. I'm taking Hamza Chmaev over Nate Diaz, but I'm really just hoping that this is movie-style ending for Nate Diaz in this fight. So that is going to wrap up today's UFC 279 podcast. Despite the lackluster talent on this card, the UFC has proved time and time again that these cards can be the most exciting pay-per-views. Jake and I hope you enjoy watching this Saturday in Vegas. My name is Alex Henry, and I was joined with... Jake Murren. We are signing off.